Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ruben. My band and I have a new song. I'm also a tow truck driver. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I get to go home at the end of the day and see my bandmates. When you see flashing lights, remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today it's about the most popular, longest running rock and roll magazine of all time. Talking about Rolling Stone. And we're here with senior editor Patrick Doyle. Rolling Stone celebrated their 50th anniversary last year. We're recently bought by a new owner, but the great rock and roll features, interviews, and covers will continue. I've been subscribing for about 15 years. Love Rolling Stone. Patrick's got plenty of stories about covering some of rock's biggest icons, like the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney. He spent a week with Kid Rock, as Kid Rock shot a bunch of pigs. Uh, Spent another week with Ed Sheeran, played basketball with Mumford & Sons, sat down with Kings of Leon. Patrick's stories are endless and you're here what it takes to get a story break a story and not kill a relationship in the process and of course he's got a wish list a mile long and you hear a few legendary names that he hopes to have a chance to interview in the future he's talking about his boss Jan Wenner the man who founded Rolling Stone magazine and what Patrick learned from Jan and is still learning from Jan we got rock and roll stories coming up with Patrick Doyle senior editor of Rolling Stone magazine on the cover Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone. Some good rock and roll by Dr. Hook right there. And some good rock and roll with Fozzie coming up as we get ready to kick off the European tour tomorrow night, July 26th at the Pheasant Festival in Hungary. Tonight, I'm going to go see Halloween, who's headlining the Pheasant Festival. We're on the main stage tomorrow night in Hungary. We've got a long show. Uh, and then 27th, it's a headlining show in Prague, Czech Republic at Futurum uh, Rock Rock Ballroom or something like that. 28, Rock of Ages Festival in Seabro. Uh, on Germany. 29th, another headlining show, Zurich, Switzerland at Verk 21. Fozzie's going to be rocking all night long in Zurich. Uh, 731 at the Rock Planet in Pinarella di Servia in Italy. Uh, August 1st in Slovenia. August 3rd, Wacken Festival in Wacken, Germany, returning to Wacken after so many years. Uh, on August 4th, another Fozzie headlining show in Berlin, Germany. August 6th and 7th in Bochum and Aschaffenburg. We are supporting Mr. Big. August 9th, Leendes de Rock Festival in Alicante, Spain. August 11th, the Alcatraz, uh, Alcatraz Festival in Belgium. And August 12th, Bloodstock at Canton Park in Walton-on-Trent, Derbyshire, England. That's nine countries, six festivals, four shows supporting Mr. Big, three headlining shows, and a partridge in a pear tree. Go to fozzyrock.com for all ticket information. And then we come back to the States for the start of the Judas Rising Tour on Friday, August 24th in Atlanta, Georgia, at Smith's Old Bar with Adelita's Way, Stone Broken, and The Stir coming out with us in the States. The first week is the 26th in Huntsville, 29th in Clarksville. Take the last train to Clarksville. Uh, We got Birmingham on the 25th, August 31st, Little Rock. A lot of great shows coming up, so go to fozzyrock.com. 
ticketmaster.com to check all ticket information and be a part of the VIP meet and greets. Legendary. We play a mini concert for you guys. We sign stuff. We take pictures with you. We hang out. Do not miss Fozzy uh, in concert live or the VIP program. We're going to Australia in November. We'll start promoting those gigs soon. The VIP for Melbourne and Sydney already sold out four months in advance. All the other gigs still have VIPs available. You do not want to miss it. Go to FozzyRock.com and check it out. And stick with us right here. Patrick Doyle and 50 years of Rolling Stone magazine starting now. We're at, yeah, we're at the, the uh, huge complex of Rolling Stone, very close to Young Winner's office, uh, who is not here, but Patrick Doyle is. Now, you have been writing for Rolling Stone for how many years? Uh, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Okay, Now a lot of people, like for me, being a musicologist... And a writer as well. Writing for Rolling Stone seems like it's a pretty damn cool dream gig. Absolutely. How did you end up getting this? I got it uh, when I was I was going to college at NYU, and I would just review concerts to get into them for free, basically. <laughs> and um, and then I so I started doing I majored in journalism at NYU, and then started writing about them for the Village Voice, doing interviews and stuff like that. And then I. I had to do an assignment actually where I had to um, interview somebody who had been through like a traumatic experience. So I interviewed actually a, a mother of who lost her son in, in 9-11 actually. Hmm. And so I interviewed her for a class and then she said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, music, music writing, journalism. And she said, oh, my son uh, works at Rolling Stone. So it's, so she kind of hooked me up because I've been trying to get into the door through Rolling Stone forever. So hmm. it just kind of was a weird thing that happened where you, you did know, you have to submit some some pieces to get in or how yeah, does it work I submitted it and i remember it was just for an internship so i've been here since i was was interning basically mm-hmm. and so i've been here it was a assistant editor and then associate editor senior editor what's your official title it's a senior editor senior editor yeah um so it's been it's been a fun fun time i mean you get to go out and have these meet the people that you have grew up sure, listening to and um grew up a huge stones fan playing guitar I'll, to like talk to keith richards and all these people it's oh wow you got the i got the stones tattoo right there yeah wow um sticky fingers I, is that your favorite that's my favorite yeah, yeah. sticky fingers do you oh man uh it always goes up and down but i mean it's, the mick, it's, the, it's and, the mick taylor era for me yeah all those albums could go although it's only rock and roll but i like it is okay mm-hmm. but you're talking about let it bleed you're talking about sticky fingers you're talking about you yeah. know exile i like, like even like dirty work and like the weird this, mm. that. <laughs> stones in the 80s yeah because <laughs> that's kind of a keith out keith was in the driver's seat for that right. album and mick kind of just came in so it's i love uh, keith solo stuff mm-hmm. expensive winos and yeah. like that so it kind of has that vibe to did, it. So, so you said you're a big Stones fan. What was the first thing you ever got to do? Where you either, did you write something for the Stones? Did you meet the Stones? Yeah. Um, well, they were uh, putting out their uh, "Some Girls" reissue, and I got assigned to go to uh, talk to Mick and Keith. And it was actually this uh, time when they hadn't been touring for about five years, and uh, fans were wondering what was going on with them. And so. Um, I talked to Mick and when you talk to Mick, it's usually pretty brief and he just wants to kind of tell you what he wants to tell you. And then it's, it's he, you can tell when it's wrapping up, he'll say, so, they say you got 10 minutes with Mick or yeah, he'll call you, uh, f- you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then he's very friendly and, 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 uh, gives you some great stuff, but not, not a lot. He doesn't like to give away a lot, but Keith on the other hand will, um, just start talking. And so he called and he, 
he uh, was called Keith called oh, Keith, Keith yeah Keith's Mick, people call no, or Keith well, himself Mick, Mick with Mick his people call to say we're here with Mick Jagger gotcha wait, so it's over the line. phone this in this case it was on the phone I've and since then I've I've um, done stuff in person with with Keith but uh, so but so with Mick they'll call you and then patch you through but with Keith it's always just him and it's actually always on time exactly on time um, or <laughs> early. And even in person, he's always on time, which you would think you'd be waiting for hours or something. For, That's for old school professional conduct, though. Yeah. You know, you get there on time and you do your mm, gig, right? Yeah. yeah. And and they they will constantly say your name, which is also a professional old school thing. You know? Great call. And yeah. look you in the eye. Yeah. You're very yeah. charmers. Yes. You know, guys who have been in the business for that long at that level, it's like they're such charmers. Yes. Because they've been trained to do that, right? Yeah. If you're ever nervous about meeting those guys, they never. It's there's never any reason to be nervous because they know how to make it nice. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Bono or anything. Sure. Like <laughs> so you talk. So Mick is very, very mechanical, and but, yeah. but Keith is more freeform. Yes, and so, um, but at this point, they they um, they had not been together for a long time, and I'm just always into what's going on with them, and I want to know when they're going to tour next, and so. Um, I asked Keith when they were going to be um, getting back together because the, the, the reason for this interview was not for future Stones plans. It was, it was reissue. I, I asked Mick about it and he just kind of said, oh, I don't, I don't know, you know. Yeah. But Keith said, well, I'm, I'm ready to go. I have songs written. Um, I don't know. We have to celebrate our 50th anniversary, but I'm waiting for Mick Jagger to give me a call. <laughs> and uh, so that kind of became the story um and then i called ronnie about it and then he said well they've been going th they've been going through some stuff right now after mick's book um keith's mick, book sorry mick keith's book yeah. Keith wrote a bunch of stuff uh about mick and the one thing that i heard is mick was very mad that keith said he had a small penis yeah he, he wrote that but i think it was about it was i think that was probably the least he was angry about it was <laughs> it was it was just a lot about mick's general character and i think that stuff Real, really probably got under mixed skin right um because those guys have known each other since they were sure. little kids and to have somebody you really know that really knows you to really sum you up like that was hurt you know yeah, yeah, yeah um so keith uh went on and on about about you know the problems they've been having and i forget exactly what he said but but ronnie said that he thinks that they'll that there's they have, they have a lot of work to do patching things up and everything and and then I called Bobby Keys before he died, and they talked. So then it became a story about will the Stones get back together? And there was actually a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff of them trying to get the story crushed and everything. Really? And they didn't want it about that. Yeah, um, but once Keith started saying it, it wasn't like Keith. I made Keith say anything. He mm -hmm. was the one who started. So once they made that news, it was like I had we had to write that. So that was the first thing I did on on the Stones. I did a. Uh, the next thing was a Keith um, cover story, which was in, uh, he lives in Ridgefield, Connecticut, in, in a nice, you know, uh, Norman Rockwell town. And uh, we went to this, this restaurant, Luke's, that he goes to for lunch all the time. And he grows grapefruits out there. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I met him through Jimmy Fallon. The three of us had a conversation. No way. Uh, uh, just to kind of back piggyback on what you said to add to it. This was after the 50th anniversary concert that they did yeah. at uh, the Barclays Center. Yeah. And I asked him about it because it's a long story, but I basically asked him like, you know, it was such a great show and will you do more? And he said, I knew if I could get him to come on stage and play that he would want to do more. 
And I was right. He he never said the name Mick. Yeah. He just said he. <laughs> if I could get him to show up, that he would want to do more. And you could see there's thought out of it, but he was still very proper with the him and he, yeah, you know, that sort of right. thing. But then he told me about his giant grapefruits that he grows out in Connecticut. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. What do, what else did you guys talk about? Well, um, I, I talked to him because uh, in that uh, long story short, I did the Fallon show. Yeah. Um, I was looking, was, I know Jimmy, I was sitting in the office looking at who was coming up. I said, oh my gosh, Keith is coming up on yeah. Monday. He said, if you show up here at 5 p.m., I'll introduce you to him. Mm. I was, so I did and he did. And we hung out and talked and I talked to him about uh, at that pay-per-view they had done, I'm going down yeah. with Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. and uh, John Mayer. Yeah. Everyone was doing these crazy solos. And then Keith just walked up there and hit one note and, and, and then bow and just left. It was yeah. the coolest thing ever. And I asked yeah. him about that. And he said, well, everybody was playing so busy yeah. that I thought I would just pick one note and stick with it. Yeah. And I just had to make sure it was a good one, man. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, like you said, he just, it's not hard to talk to Keith Richards. Yeah. You know, so it was very easy, free flowing conversation and it was a blast. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. When you go meet him for lunch and you say that's not, it just seems like he's just a dude that likes to hang out. Yeah. When I was doing the the cover story, the thing that struck me was he has he has an assistant with him, and everywhere he goes, you know those little airplane sized bottles of, of vodka. They they a huge case of them would be wherever we would go, and they would make a fresh uh, orange soda vodka for him every fifteen minutes. No matter how much he had drank, a new fresh one would show up, mm. and it was just a constant buzz. He kept going. <laughs> And uh, that started at like 2 p.m. when I saw him. I, this this it was the second time at like a recording studio when he was doing his solo album and um, just smoke and vodka and like just just what you would expect <laughs> yeah. to see with the Stones. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and um, but I, that that story it was actually it's a little intimidating. Like I went went to the restaurant and we we talked for a while, but it, that was like an hour. And in order to get a cover story uh, amount of material, that's really not enough unless you're doing a Q&A format where you just question answer. But How much does it take for a cover story? Sometimes as little as two hangouts, I would say. Two, two hours? A couple hours each. But sometimes I did a, an Ed Sheeran story and that was like, that was about two weeks of, of total of time. And why? Like I went, I went to London and he said, and ended up staying at his house. It was just... It was, I read that one. It was just Talk like, about how he was getting loaded or yeah. his friends or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, and he was just, I don't know, it just kind of, he he was fun to hang out with and he wanted to, um, I think that also part of that was that he um, would party a lot and then want to rein it back in and not, and fix what, what happened the night before. <laughs> so it was a constant cycle of that. Uh, but but with with Keith, uh, the last chance I, I felt like I didn't have enough. I, I uh, had been with him at the restaurant, and it was a great conversation. We were at the recording studio, and then we um, got into a car to go downtown to this promotional thing at the iHeartRadio thing, and people were chasing the car after him, and it just felt like a Beatlemania type mm-hmm. thing because just uh, he said this is just part, my part of life, and and he was kind of talking about that a bit, and and. And then um, he disappeared into this green room and I was, his publicist had disappeared. So I didn't have to kind of go through her anymore. So I just kind of um, walked in and sat down and it was just him and Jane Rose, who's has been his uh, manager for. She was in years. the room too with Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. She's all, all she's goes very everywhere. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to overstep my bounds because you like to give people space and everything. But 
but uh, in this case, I felt like I ha- this was my, my last chance. Then we sat, ended up being there for like three hours with him. And he just was, uh, it was when Trump had just kind of started to pick up steam and he was talking about watching the rally and um, how Trump's, he felt like his set list was getting a little stale. <laughs> <laughs> And he, he said, I don't know, he's going to change the set list eventually. Um, and uh, he's it's just his take on every, it wasn't an interview. It was just hearing him kind of riff on, on stuff. So and interesting. It was, and it was, and that, that was when I felt like I kind of understood him because he was more laid back. He wasn't playing pirate but character. But that's the thing too, though, Patrick, that I noticed like from doing this, this show, it's been four years for me yeah. now. And I love the concept of a long form interview because I know what it's like to do. Okay. You got a radio tour. Okay. Every six minutes, there's a new station. Yeah. You get nothing. Yeah. Sometimes it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes. My show is usually an hour. Yeah. But you start getting deep. Yeah. And for you talking about going with Ed Sheeran for two weeks or with Keith, yeah. like it took you a while to break down the Keith Richards, the rock star, just being yeah. Keith Richards, the dude. Yeah. And that's where you get the brilliant stuff. Exactly. Right. And that's why I like working here. It's, I feel like this is one of the only places that can still still do I that. Agree. And that's why it, I, it feels like such an honor to, to work mm. with this place. You know? you know, it seems to me too, like people know it, the Rolling Stone magazine is yeah. a big, even Rolling Stone online. I, I do a bunch of stuff. They call me all the time for different things. It's like, it's Rolling Stone. Yeah. It When people agree to do the Rolling Stone interview, they know what you need. They know mm-hmm. they want you want time from them. Is yeah. that pretty much the norm? Or sometimes you get granted an interview and the guy like says, I'll give you an hour. And you're like, I need more than this. Yeah. You often need more. These days, a lot of people want the cover because that's what gets picked up, you know, around the world. It's the image of the cover. Sure, of course. Um, and I guess it's always been that way, but a lot of times it's a negotiation. So we can't put everyone on the cover. So it's like, then we'll give you an inside feature. Oftentimes, there's like a, a story right now with uh, with an artist. I'm trying to. He wanted a, a cover, and then so he said, "No, we'll do, give you a feature." And they said no, and we said no because that because uh, sorry, they said no. And anyway, so it, now it might be the rock lead, which is the f- front of the magazine, the news, the news uh, opener. Yeah, and that is a good place because it's like uh, it's the first thing it's you the see. first thing you see, but it doesn't take a lot of time. So it's I feel like that is the fallback plan for for them, but. Mm-hmm. Getting into the mechanics, sorry. No, I understand. Just, no, I, I get it, though. I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So yeah. tell me some other people that you interviewed. What I'm saying is that when you yeah. go and, like you said, Ed Sheeran, you guys become friends. Yeah. Keith, you're hanging out. Is there some people that you've done where it's just kind of like, this guy isn't giving me anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he know what we're doing here? Yeah. Like, I had Mike Tyson on this show, yeah. and he had, gave me nothing. Yeah. One word answers, and I'm like, you know you're doing a podcast. you yeah. got to give me something, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've had... I've had I've had bad experiences. Uh, you, you can't, uh, when that, those happen, you say like, you they can't, they can't all be great. Like you, you've done, <laughs> I, I don't know how many podcasts, but you, they yeah. uh, one, you, once has in to a go while. bad. Yeah. Um, so you, that's what you tell yourself after that. But, <laughs> um, Mumford and Sons was a, was kind of a, a bad situation because I was, uh, going to Bonner. No, I was going to Massachusetts to go meet up with them. And it was, so anyway, I was on the, I was on the way to the interview, and my boss forwarded me an uh, Us Weekly email saying that uh, Marcus Mumford was expecting a baby with his wife. So I said, "Oh, that's interesting." I mean, it's not what I'm going to write about, really. But I, so I got there, and you have to kind of figure out what you're going to do with these people. And I don't like do, doing forced mm-hmm. activities, uh, some like bowling with somebody and but this they said oh he's out playing basketball i guess it's something he naturally does before so you're gonna play basketball with him (laughs) so sorry it's a little weird to uh meet someone and just start playing basketball so we were playing uh what's the the 
the game horse horse yeah yeah and uh and <laughs> then and i wish i hadn't played since like third grade and you're trying to remember how to play horse <laughs> and think of the questions you're going to ask and then, so then to make things a little more comfortable i just said you know by the way congratulations on uh heard you, he said he said about what and then i said i heard you're gonna be a dad and then um he just turned stone-faced and said well that, that's just gossip isn't it i said oh okay i, I didn't really know and um then he walked away and and then his pub publicist said you shouldn't have said that you know um why because he i think he's trying to keep his uh private secrets, life private yeah. but i i honestly just saw the email and thought it was an announcement i didn't mm -hmm. know it was uh, a secret thing I, so um so the interview was called off after that <laughs> but we met when i went down to bonnaroo and spent time with them and the a week later and they had warmed up a little bit and he was a little more laid back we never spoke about it after that never mentioned um, it again didn't yeah. even mention it when i saw him and and in um kings of leon was another weird experience uh because they they're just so open about drugs and sex and every and uh the singer wrote about the singer talked to me about um taking too many pain pills and getting too drunk on a flight and, and on a yacht and he about how he tried, did a, a jump off of a yacht and broke his his leg or something and and so i i wrote that i mean that became of course the beginning of the story <laughs> and they weren't happy with how they were portrayed but i mean it's you got to be careful what yeah. you say though as yeah. as as an entertainer because yeah anything you say is open game yeah. unless you say this is off the record you yeah know, right? have you have you like trusted a journalist and then it turns out <laughs> yeah well, the, the, what i find a lot of times is you'll get misquoted or slightly switched yeah. around i know yeah. uh, like earlier this year when the new our, i have a band called our band's fozzy and yeah. and uh, i said something about like you know as long as it's me and this guy and this guy it's okay if the other guys weren't there it wouldn't matter and i never my point was this is the three guys that have done it from the start yeah. we've had guys come and go and that's, you know, we would still continue on no matter what. Not saying demeaning the other guy, but mm. the, the, the dude, the, the other dude called me. And he's like, is this, I don't mean anything to you. I was like, that's not what I said, dude. Mm. And that causes problems. But it was a better clickbait thing to basically say, Jericho says the other band members don't mean shit. It's all about him. <laughs> you know, the sensationalistic. Yeah. You find that. Yeah. And when you're starting out as your instinct is to do more of, you're kind of trying to learn how to write and make and, and make a compelling story so sometimes somebody will say something to you and you're like oh that's that's news i gotta get that up on the website like soon and then you do that before the thing that that they got on the phone to talk to you about and then you quickly learn that it's not a good way to have long-lasting relationships yes um, you have to have trust with, with yeah, those guys yeah especially when you're talking about keith or, or you mentioned yeah. bono i mean these guys have been around for years they probably don't trust anybody yeah so to gain their trust probably takes a long time yeah yeah, right. it does, yeah. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Some of the other great interviews that well, you've had, oh, uh, interesting ones that you've had. Keith, uh, no, um, Kid Rock was was a good one. Um, I think this is the one that I read. It, it oh, explained, really? I think. Well, um, he. This was sort of when he was 
he'd gone country, but this was before the Senate run, or the, 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 toying with the idea of running for Senate and becoming such a, a right-wing guy. But so it was a little, people didn't really know where he stood, but this was sort of his, his coming out in, th- in that world. He was right. living in Alabama. Um, I went down to, um, it was like 30 miles outside of Montgomery, Alabama. In a, he, lived, he had a, a trailer, a $19,000 trailer that he was, was living in. <laughs> but he said, you know, he has the jet there too. <laughs> so, um, the yin and yang. Yeah. So he, um, I woke up that morning at the hotel and it was, I had texts from him starting at like 530, like, you know, just come and come over whenever, not don't wait till lunch. I have a, a surprise for you. And I didn't know what the surprise was. So I drove and it was literally 10 miles with nothing. And until you got to his house and, um, he, kept talking about the surprise that he made me a sandwich and we got on, on a, his um, ATV and, and went into the woods and there were three pigs that he had caught in, in a cage and he said they'd been he had been complaining about his land getting torn up by by pigs like and, wild pigs yeah so. wild and which he kept saying are like a nuisance down there it's like it's it's invasive it's, species yeah. or something yeah um, so so he um, shot all of them in front of me <laughs> 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 and he had his girlfriend there, and she shot one of them, and and he had me film the whole thing, um, and which he played for a party that he played that he had that night, and everyone was you know clapping, wow. freaking out, and um, and so he wanted he he wanted that to be written about, but it caused a big uproar, you know, animal rights and everything after that, and um, it was just why would he sp- want that? Why would he want to show you this? I think. His fans are okay with that. Um, mm, Rednecky type. Yeah, thing. he has the, a crew. He, he said, he said to me, my fans, um, my bread and butter are like age forty five to fifty five, uh, extra extra large big girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, he doesn't doesn't you know make any bones about it. So he he. Uh, he he has a cruise and he was showing videos from um, the crews of those fans, you know, showing me who they were and trying to just get, get me familiar with his We've, world. I've known him for, for a few years and we were touring in Australia together, not on the same bill, but at the same time we happened to be in the same hotel. Yeah. And uh, I was hanging out with him and I remember he's like, yeah, I don't really like Australia too much. And he goes, I can sell out Louisville. Why do I want to go to Australia? Right. And that's his point. Like he can sell out everywhere in America. Why do I need to go overseas? He was opening for Bon Jovi. Yeah. He's like, you know, I don't need this hundred grand that Bon Jovi's playing, but my girlfriend wanted to go to Australia. So I took, I'm like, yeah, poor guy with your hundred grand that Bon yeah. Jovi gave you to play a 45 minute set in the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> he loves talking about his, his jet. You know, he was, t- I heard him on Howard Stern and he was yeah. talking, still talking about it, you know, that, that, that he will get rid of his Malibu mansion, but he needs to keep the jet. Cause he like, you know, he met his girlfriend and, and she said, he said, can I take you to dinner? And she was a waitress and she, and this was in Detroit. And she said, well, where are we going to go? And he said, Chicago. <laughs> so he likes to just, just yeah. with his buddies go somewhere on one night and come back the same night. Um, but, um, but that, anyway, that, that experience lasted from then until 6 a.m. the next morning, um, nonstop. <laughs> and she's, and that, every time I was with him, it, that's what it was like. And he's a really nice guy. So, Good dude. So it's a little bit of a conflict because he does that kind of stuff, shooting the pigs and saying, you know, just stuff you don't agree with. But, but at the same time, he's, he does take care of his family and take care of his of a lot of the charities around his, his town. So he's, he's kind of a, a complex guy. And, um, that was kind of interesting to, 
to write about, but it was a, kind of a struggle to write that story because I didn't didn't like a lot of the, the stuff he said or his politics or things he did and shooting pigs and. But I just wrote it from the very be- for the text that he was sending all the way through that six a.m. the next morning, and um, it didn't even include a lot of editorialism. Just kind of just. But isn't happened. that your job as a journalist, though, is to be kind of neutral and just yeah. report? Like I think Rolling Stone came up with the tagline is the facts. What does yeah, it say? The, the fitter, all the facts fit to print. Print, but a lot of times it's tough because you'll be with a a pop star and and they don't know how to put a sentence together sometimes. So so you have to you have to put it in perspective a lot more. If somebody if they're colorful like Kid Rock, people are gonna want to be interested to read. Um, he knows how to do an interview. Yeah, yeah. and he's gr- he's great quote, but a lot of the times. Sometimes um, you'll write a whole feature and realize you didn't use a lot of quotes at all, like maybe just a six or something, because there's not, it's hard to get get insightful stuff from like a 19-year-old sometimes, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience, but is super popular. Yeah. And especially in this day and age, you see a lot of that, of the of the flash and the pans here today, gone later today. Yeah. And not as much of the longevity of the, of the, of the stars, you yeah. know? Do you like any of the current pop stuff at all? Well, the thing is, I drive my kids to school and we have to listen to Hits 1, yeah. which is the serious... You know, so I hear the same 10 songs. I know what's going on. I, I think Bruno Mars is amazing. Yeah. He's probably my favorite. I love, I mean, Taylor um, Swift is great. Her album is really good. Yeah, she's That's great. New album you know, she's really great because she's, she's done um, a very smart thing and kind of went outside of the box of what she was known for. She's very diverse. Yeah. And that's a smart thing to do to get that kind of, it's not just a country girl, but she can do pop and she can do 80s synth and yeah. she can do a cheerleader type tune or whatever it may be. It's a smart move. And have, have you had any experiences with her? Cause yeah. she's very smart for such a young girl. Yeah. Um, a few, a few, um, I got into her around the speak now era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 2010. Yeah. And I first, I was assigned to write about her when she was playing at, um, at a jet blue at the jet blue terminal five, um, you know, as a promotional thing, and she was flying her fans to LA, and they were all going to interview her on the. This was like early on, kind of early on in her. Yeah. She was still, she was, she was still an arena act, but it, she was willing to do stuff like now she does zero interviews whatsoever. Interesting, because um, she didn't have to. Yeah, it's Beyonce does that. Um, once you get to a certain level, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Iron Maiden. Yeah. Try and get an interview with Iron Maiden. They yeah. don't do them. They don't need them. You know. You know, like their managers. We sell out either way. Why waste time? You know? Yeah. And you can only hurt yourself at a certain point. Yeah, like, everyone's out to get Taylor Swift. Yes, every, there's nothing she could say that 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 people will not take and twist. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was, anyway, the the I met I've met I met her on that tour. Then I did an interview with her in the the Red tour backstage and at uh, the MetLife Giants MetLife Stadium, and um, she was just really smart, but at the same time, you know very good at evading questions i remember just asking her like you try to find out what the, what a person does that day you try to if you have a very little time with somebody a good thing to do is to ask them like hey, what did you what have you done today so you can kind of say this you know they're doing this after doing this this and yeah, this yeah, yeah. and that way people get and it looks kind of like you've spent a little bit more time you know mm-hmm. with them so uh but she i said well what did, what did you 
what did you eat at uh, catering? And and I just was curious what she picks out, but she didn't want to answer that. Yeah. So, so, but she just she 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 can see two steps ahead of whatever you're you're doing. She, but so you, you get know. that, like I said, with I've done I don't know how many interviews, yeah. ten thousand interviews, and you can tell right away when someone doesn't want to answer something. Well, yeah. yeah. Or, I, mean, I mean, for me, interviewing yeah. me, and there's certain some someone will say something, but it just it pisses me off. Yeah. Maybe even indirectly, you, you really shut down. Yeah. And there's other interviews that I'll talk all day because it's fun. Yeah. But there's ones that I, I just, I got to get out of here. Yeah. You know, if someone ever asked me, so uh, 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 if it's if it's wrestling, so how'd you get into wrestling? Or how'd you get into, how'd you start with Fozzie? It's like, oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. After 17 years or yeah. 27 years, that's what you're opening with? Yeah. What, what kind of an answer do you want? Yeah. So you have to be careful as a journalist yeah. asking, like you said, if you ask Taylor, what do you have to eat? She could be thinking, what does this guy care what I've had to eat? Yeah. And she's done. Yeah. Right. It's hard. Like yeah. you said, the Mumford and Son guy, you, you were done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was done. Um, and, um, and then I saw, yeah, I saw her on the 1989 tour after two years later and she came up and said, oh, we were, you know, we were in the, the room where the team gets the massages. I remember we were doing the interview there and she's just very smart and remembers everyone by their name and knows their kids' names. And, um, you know, she's radio, the radio people. I mean, she's just very, I don't think it's insincere. I think she's, I think she's just affable person, but she's very good at, at it. But yeah, she. Tell me about some others. Like you mentioned, like it's interesting because you talk about, um, and I want to talk about Young Wonder as well. But yeah. Rolling Stone is very much a Springsteen friendly, U two friendly. Yeah. Have you had experience with Metallica friendly? Yeah. Do you get sent out on those type of things as well? Have you yeah. had conversations with those dudes? Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, U two. Uh, yeah, I've talked to Bono before. I mean, the McCartney um, that the Hall of Fame that was. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when Ringo was inducted yeah, I was there. that year. I was there. So yeah, um, McCartney inducted Ringo, which was really cool to see them playing together. It was and, great. Yeah. And um, afterwards, um, I always wanted to talk to Paul McCartney and uh, he was just, and his publicist had shut me down and, and said, no, he's not doing any interviews. He was, but then he was just standing on stage and people were crowding around him like, you know, uh, the Beatles, you know, and, and so... I just kind of went up and he just sort of just turned. It was just all happened the right way. And then I said, I'm here with Rolling Stone. Can I ask you some questions? We ended up doing a few, uh, several minutes and just on the fly. He said, yeah, okay, he, he said, okay. And, it, and then he did it. And it takes a lot of balls. He, yeah. Those are the <laughs> toughest ones. The hall of fame is just interesting because you're trying to catch people on the fly. And, um, like Tom Waits is another one. He was inducting Neil Young or, they played together, I remember, but he wouldn't, he had, his publicist had no to interview and then he was just standing there and then some of the editors, uh, this is what I had just started and they said, you know, we'll really, uh, they were kind of busting my balls a little bit. They said, you, you know, if you get an interview with Tom Waits, that would be great for your career. <laughs> so I, I went up to him and, and then I said, um, I work at Rolling Stone, a couple of the editors talking to me about really wanting to, you know, get an interview with you and, and uh, would you answer just a question about what it means to be here? And then he just said, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> and then his wife said, you, you got to go. And um, so you just have to check but, your but Paul, But Paul did Paul, agree. Yeah, Paul, Paul did. And actually, uh, Brian Hyatt was at backstage at Live, Live 8 and uh in london and and he had he uh, i think who's brian hyatt um he's a he's a senior writer here gotcha. and he he's written like 55 cover stories i think he has the record but he 
went up to uh, Roger Daltrey and asked him on the fly for an interview, and Daltrey said, fuck off. And then, and then he went up to McCartney, and McCartney just talked to him. So I, I like that Paul just, you know, he, he's, he's not too jaded or anything. He's, I always you know. get the sense that I've never had the dude talk about bucket list. I've never yeah. had the pleasure. Actually, I met him at that, uh, at that rock and roll. Really? Were you on stage there when I, he was, I was not people? on stage. I was in the crowd. Yeah. Going it was crazy. After when people just were just milling around. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I had a couple of cool experiences. That I'll tell you after, cause it's been well-documented on this show, but I get the sense that Paul's, after all these years, is still just a dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like just yeah. just a guy that just likes to. He's got a cool job and he feels pretty cool. I don't ever get the sense of an asshole from him, and maybe that's just years of being trained that way. But I don't think so. I don't think there's a, 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 a gag there. You know, the only thing he seems hung up on is is the songwriting, the credit, feeling mm -hmm. like he might not get as much credit as John Lennon. It's all did. Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. Like, remember, he, he, he asked to switch some of the song titles from McCart to McCartney Lennon. Lennon. Yeah. And then, um, and then we were doing an interview. I assigned um, a guy here, Corey, to talk to him. And uh, he, um, sit and Corey said something very offhand, like about for the benefit of Mr. Kite, because uh, Paul had started playing that on his, his latest tour. And uh, he asked about about uh, why he is playing that because it's, you know, primarily thought of as a John song. And so Paul, that set Paul off. He just said, I was there when he wrote that song. I was part of that, that process. Everyone says it's a John Lennon song. It's not a John Lennon song. That's, I think if you want to push his buttons, that's go there yeah. <laughs> after all these years. Right. But, yeah. but you get that too. Like you, you mentioned Mick and Keith yeah. uh, and, and Paul and John, Gene Simmons and Paul Stan. There's still a rivalry. Yeah. Joe Perry and Steve yeah. Tyler, the guys, the, the two alpha males in the band after all these years, sometimes are still very sensitive when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. I think that it's like a wife. Uh, Mick, Keith calls Mick his, he's, he's my wife. wife yeah. And it really is like a, a jealous <laughs> romantic relationship. Right. You're yeah. You're trying to get that guy's uh, attention and, and, better and, than him, and, and better than approval him, yeah. and you want to be better than that person. And, and it's, mm -hmm. Uh, very complicated. <laughs> so which cover stories do you, do you have? You mentioned that the one dude at 55. How many do you have? I, I, I have like seven, but I have like 25 features, but I, I'm seven? an editor these days. Sure. Um, oh, you don't write as much. Then. I, I edit, I assign stuff and, and then edit them. And I do, I do write, but do you save the good ones for yourself. You have to be aware of that. Like I, <laughs> I do, I, you have to throw people bones. Dude. I <laughs> like I really wanted if you, you, you really want to do like a Springsteen or something, and then if, when he's available, I know that I can't, I don't, I can't be the guy who just mm -hmm. yeah, it's the cake and eats it too. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And, and plus like Andy and people are, are better Springsteen fanatics gotcha. than me. But. So you kind of stick in your wheelhouse. The yeah. band's like, if it's a Stones thing, you know more yeah. about the Stones. So you're the best guy for the job. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I think they just, people know their, their territory mm -hmm. here and it's not, it makes thing. sense. Like you're not hired as like, a hip hop guy or a pop guy. It's just sort of people figure it out about you over, over. The so years. which seven did you said? Sharon was one. Kid Rock was one. See, Keith, uh, Keith and, um, Sam Smith. And then five seconds of summer. That's, uh, that's boy band. That's oh, yeah. Pop punk boy band. That yeah. sort of were the rockier one direction at the time. And that, that was a, a crazy experience because, that was a, like a week long uh, experience, and they had never really spent a lot of time with the journalists. They were like nineteen years old and uh, very green, and said a lot of things they shouldn't have said, and uh, talked about you know the earlier early days on the road 
hooking up with their fans. And a lot of the fans saw that as as them talking about having sex with their fans as like taking advantage of their fans. And it turned into a big, a big deal. Uh, um, and that they um, haven't really recovered. I, yeah, from I was just saying, I haven't heard anything about them I in a while. I think they went underground for a while. And does, and does that heat come back on you then? Do you, are you to blame? I was a little torn about that because you're with them for for a week and we were just in a trailer at the American Music Awards and the singer started just talking about different girls and I started asking about about just, you know, what, what happens on the tour bus and then the guy starts started saying that, but he's 19 so i felt i felt a little bad because it's almost like you're i didn't taking want, advantage I, of him yeah i didn't right? want to feel like but he said it and there was a lot of stuff i didn't put on the record that i that i tried to be a little you know conscious of so but you have to have a story you yeah. can't come away and just print like a fanzine right thing. um that's a good point yeah like a like a puff piece of well um in, in this Rolling Stone documentary that just came out that Alex Gibney did, it's like a, a two-part the HBO 50 year yeah. anniversary. And Cameron Crowe, um, who you know wrote for Rolling Stone in the '70s and based uh, Almost Famous off of yeah. that experience, he tells a story in that about going out with Led Zeppelin and uh, go, spending a lot of time with them, coming back, handing in his story, and Jan Wenner called him in. Um, who owns the magazine still is here. And he said, I read your story. You did a good job, but you failed. And uh, Cameron said, why? And he said, because you wrote this from a fan's perspective. I didn't learn anything about this. If I'm not interested in them, mm. I'm, I'm, it's not for me. And you're writing for an audience that might not care about the person. You want to put them in, in perspective and context. So, so uh, it's funny because I saw that and then I emailed Cameron because um, I did this Avett Brothers uh, story about this folk, the folk band, the Avett Brothers. And uh, it, was, it was a hard thing to write because I couldn't, I came away and I felt like I didn't have much. Like I was with them and I felt like, oh, I'm on their tour bus. That's a lot of access. I'm just, you know, hanging out with them. And then I came away afterward. I tried to write the thing and I couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't write it. And so I tried and I handed it in and then we printed it. And then Jan called me in on my, uh, it was my birthday. And then there was an a, uh, appointment got scheduled for the next day in Jan's office. Like, what is this? And then one of the editors said, oh, he didn't like your Avid Brothers story. So that was not a good, a good <laughs> night. And um, he had a very particular thing about how the second section, which was, going into the the two brothers in the band and how they have all this conflict that was buried down in the second section. The whole first section was just kind of like them on the tour bus, very cliche. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, you should have put this up here. And, and it was a learning experience. Um, so, well, once again, I'm, yeah. I, have, I have a journalism degree as well. And the thing they teach you in journalism school yeah. is what's the lead. Yeah. What's the lead of the story. Yeah. And I remember I worked for the newspaper and they sent me to some, I don't know, swim tournament. And I, came back with results and the guy's like what, what is this shit i go well because there's no story here what's, what's, where's the story yeah and you have to come out of there like you said i remember when i was going and doing it like okay that's my lead that's yeah. what i'll kick off with because yeah. that's the crux of the, the story yeah here, right yeah and if you get if you get stuck on it you kind of try to picture it like a movie like what's the right because movies are it's very similar documentaries you know you start with yes. the conflict and that's why people think that, you know, journalists twist things a lot because you try, you ha- co- conflict is what draws people in and it's how you do that conflict. Yeah. You do it in a, a way that, you, you know. Known as clickbait now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. 
If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Let's talk about Young Winner because yeah. I'm always upset. I'm not obsessed. Very interested with guys like, okay, so my boss, Vince McMahon, yeah. uh, Lauren Michaels, yeah. Young Winner, they've created this iconic pop culture thing that, that never existed before and it's lasted now for 20, 30, 40 years. WWE, Siren Live, Rolling Stone Magazine. Now, I know Vince and Lauren, having worked with Lauren a bit as well, are very hands-on. Everything that goes through that thing that has the WWE on it goes through Vince. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with Jan? I mean, he reads every story. He approves every story. Oh, so we, before it gets published, he has to approve everything? He approve. He doesn't approve um, the final... He'll, he'll approve the, the fact that the story is happening. They'll send him Patrick to go talk to the yeah. other brothers for proof. And then, and he'll, and if for stories he's invested in and wants to, you know, uh, especially the political stuff, he'll read that ahead of time and be very involved in it. A lot of the music stuff, and he, I mean, he can't, you can't be there every step of the way for everything, but after 50 years, but he's there, he's very, very much more involved than I thought when I first came mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, they have these memo meetings where you, you know, come up with an idea and you have to write, a little you know snapshot of what that story would be and then he'll read it and give you yeah let's send that person to go talk to to sure to whoever right yeah so uh yeah and then does he decide who goes on the cover yeah he'll he'll, it'll get be his final will you have okay this month we have three options yeah which one do you like best yeah 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 yeah, it's funny you mentioned Lauren Michaels because I, I I just read that whole um oral history of Saturday Night Live and mm-hmm. you know st- that started in the seventies and it was just Lauren's kind of crazy vision that, yeah. that, that everyone trusted with him with and then you know with, with Giannis it's, 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 it's a lot of parallels there. Mm-hmm. That's something like with Lauren and even with Vince McMahon too creating this whole thing yeah. of uh, of uh, you know this like I said this cultural. Um, make this impact of something that did not exist, but now it'll never go away. Like Rolling Stone in some way or form will be around. I yeah, I really hope so. I, you know? I know we're gonna, we're up for sale right now. It's yeah, little, I heard about that. Um, and I hope that it's keeps the DNA because this Jan's the DNA of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 weird. You know, people say oh, it's not a music. I thought you guys were a music magazine when we put Snooki on the cover or something, <laughs> which was I don't know about that 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 well, choice. But she was but hot at the time. She was hot at the time. But it's it's a whole world view of politics, music. That's why I've been yeah. subscribing to Rolling Stone for fifteen years now. Yeah. And I love the fact. I'm not a political guy, but it's, yeah. the politics is very much a part of Rolling Stone. Yes, and pop culture and music and all that sort of thing. Do you do you ever write any of those type of stories? Or are you mostly a music guy? Well, usually only when it's pertaining to music, like mm-hmm. the West Memphis Three, those guys who yeah. were in jail. Um, who a lot of people think they didn't they didn't murder those right. kids, and and um, a lot of Eddie Vedder and a lot of people were mm-hmm. involved in Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp and getting them out. Metallica, um, yeah. Yeah. So when it's something that kind of crosses wires like that I, I i do and i it's it's not that different as far as you can it's all storytelling mm-hmm. so it's i'd like to do more of that but it's you kind of people you know there's matt taibbi here you don't want to come sure with yeah that. <laughs> <laughs> last uh, few questions as we wind down here who's uh, your favorite interview that you've ever had oh man um it's always hard to decide yeah that's a that's a tough one um or is there somebody that stood out that you weren't expecting much from that just blew you away? I, I, I was I was blown away by by Ed because he he um, he just seemed like a, a pop schmaltzy like mm-hmm. pop guy, and I and then you talk to him and you realize he was 
putting out all, all, all this music independently as a kid and trying to, to climb his way up. And was very, he's like a very business savvy guy. And, and he doesn't like to talk about that because he thinks he sounds like an asshole when he talks about business mm-hmm. because um, about wanting to be the biggest person in the world. But that's someone um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a real, the best. Um, You're going deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of my favorite experiences were early on when you're like a, when you don't have any uh, clout at all and you can see who who is really good. Like Conan O'Brien, I I, I grew up loving mm-hmm. Conan and just at Bonnaroo he was he was just kind of walking down this corridor and I was thinking oh should I try to get a quote from Conan and I was afraid of ruin of ruining my perception of him by by him maybe not <laughs> liking being approached by somebody and then and then I kind of asked him creeped up and asked him and then he said oh yeah and he started talking about about returning to doing stand-up and everything and he just was such a funny uh guy that i that and then that there's a picture of that that ran in rolling stone of the two of us doing that interview so that was like the first impact that i i felt at the magazine <laughs> it was just a, that's like those little early moments i mean that you get like kind of jaded after a while You're right, but, right right no i'm sorry my favorite is willie nelson wow um, interesting because he was my, he was one of my first cover stories and he's a difficult, uh, interview. He's very shy mm. and doesn't uh, like to give away a lot. Uh, he doesn't like to, um, he, he thinks it, he, he doesn't like to talk about himself. He's, he's very into having no ego. Um, like one time he, he was doing a red carpet and afterwards I asked him did Oh, there were there any good questions? I was trying to make small talk. He said, "I would not have no. I would have no idea what a good question is. Like you, so he he doesn't judge people in any mm-hmm. way. You know, you you might. I mean, some people might be on the red carpet and have done this a million times and and be like, that's real fuzzy. But how'd your band start? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, but he. But so it was hard to get to know him. But I felt after uh, many. Texas torpedoes, as he calls them, <laughs> uh, the giant joints. Yeah, he. I, we started to break ice and got to the point where we could just sit there and be completely silent, and, um, which I think is a real sign that you're comfortable with somebody. That's a great call. Um, so that the, that was. I went down to uh, to Texas to his ranch, and it's, it's his own town called Luck, Texas. Um, that's it's. Um, he built an old western town down there that um for a movie the redheaded stranger in 1986 like, and uh and the, at the end it was supposed to burn down and he liked the town so much he re- had them rewrite the script so it's still there but it's falling apart and after hurricanes and everything it's really uh but he, we drove around in this 1994 chevy and like just smoked pot and he talked about he he really opened up in a way that i had never heard him open up before and so that that was the best feeling mm-hmm it's interesting too when you're with a guy like that. Like, there's big stars, yeah, and then there's the Mix and Keith and the Nelsons. Yeah. Like, like, that's different level of, you know, everything. Yeah, but that he's, but he's, he doesn't have the cowboy hat on. He has a baseball cap. He has a sweatshirt, the same sweatshirt he wears every day. And then his friend, his friend, a local businessman, was come came over to uh, to set up for poker that night, and they played poker till three in the morning. And I had to go for the uh, photo shoot the next day, and Willie was just looked like you know the, the photo in that in that spread on the it's after he'd been out playing poker all night and it's just he looks so grizzled and uh, old older than he looks now it's yeah. just a few years ago it just it's, it's the perfect it's exactly of, what you want yeah it's yeah. what you want and 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 so you kind of 
you don't realize how how special it is at the time because they're really uh, they seem like just just yeah. just people, especially some someone like that. Last question: Who's yeah. your dream interview? Well, uh, Dylan, but he's he's really tough. I mean, his last interview was AARP, I think, in 2014, and but he did one in with Rolling Stone in 2012 with Michael Gilmore, who's done the last several. But um, he said some things that got him sued in that interview, and I think that he's done he, these days. He just does them through his own website, and I think he just write, writes them What's up. Want, yeah, yeah. And um, but I wish that um, I would have the chance to talk to him. I, I was just um, interviewing Mavis Staples, who's opening for Dylan um, in, in Philadelphia, and uh, we were in the Dylan, you know, backstage. His band was there, and I'm just I've seen Dylan like 30 times, so just even to see his guitar player. Charlie Sexton yeah. is just, and then Tony Garnier is bass player. Just they're, they all, that's the best band on the road. I think mm-hmm. they, and then he, uh, the Mavis's road manager said, Oh, Bob's been listening to a lot of, uh, beach boys lately. So he's been retooling the arrangements. And I watched the show and, you know, he did this song honest with me off of, uh, love and theft for a 2001 song, but had dance, dance, dance from the beach boys in the, as the, as the riff and all this stuff that I started realizing, I couldn't believe that. Um, Interesting. Right. Yeah. So, so I did the fact that Dylan was still evolving everything, but, um, Mavis said, um, oh yeah, he's, he's around. He's, he always wears the hoodie and, um, she, I guess she is allowed to go wherever she wants backstage to see Dylan. But, uh, then I walked off her tour bus. There was a guy with a hoodie, and then he turned around. It was not. Him, I, was, I had my ra- ra- antenna up. So let's so you go tap on the shoulder, turns yeah. around. It's like some guy or something. It was actually. So there you go, dude. What a great, uh, what a great time talking to you, man. I know you got a split, you, so I appreciate it. So great much. experiences. It's honest to talk to you, man. We're shaking hands. <laughs> all right. Thanks to Rolling Stone magazine senior editor Patrick Doyle for sharing all the great rock and roll stories with us. You can read his interviews and articles in the magazine and, of course, online at rollingstone.com. And don't forget also, uh, if you enjoyed this week, go and see the bonus, uh, go listen to the bonus episode this week. Uh, Chris Jericho meets Kiss meets the fan with the park with Team Tiger Awesome. We do a watch-along of the movie and do a straight commentary uh, uh, live time as the movie's running. It was such a blast. We had a great time. It was on the Team Tiger Awesome show. I loved it so much. Uh, I I brought it back to uh, talk as Jericho. So go check that out. And go check out all the action at Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We're selling cabins daily. There's still some left, but it's going to sell out. We only got a few months left. Book your cabin now. Come enjoy all the festivities the cruise has to offer, all inclusive for free. Everything included in the price of your cabin, all the live podcasts, concerts, comedy shows, meet and greets, autograph signings, wrestling matches, food, everything is included except for alcohol and gambling. And don't forget, like I said, the big main event, huge main event, the Alpha Club versus the Bullet Club, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson versus Kenny Omega, Cody, and Marty Skrull? It's a main event on a pay-per-view anywhere on the planet, but you can only see it if you book your cabin on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Also, Impact versus Ring of Honor, Sammy Callahan versus Marty Skrull, kicking that off. Live talk is Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Live talk is Jericho remembering Eddie Guerrero with Conan and Rey Mysterio. Live talk is Jericho with the entire Bullet Club. Live talk is Jericho with Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler. Mick Foley doing his 20 Years of Hell stand-up show. Uh, I'll do my own Words of Jericho live show. We got Killing the Town versus Keeping a 100 live debate. The first round of Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament has been announced. Bracket A, Lethal versus Whitmer. Daniels versus Delirious. 
Sturl versus Titus, Young versus Flip Gordon, Bracket B, Mark Briscoe versus Ferrara, Page versus Kazarian, G. Battlegar versus British City Bruiser, uh, and Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. Beyond the Darkness will be there to scare your pants off. Cole Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing the Unprofessional Wrestling Show. Busted Open will be there. Live comedy from Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Run Funches, The Impractical Jokers. Live music from Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Fozzie, King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, The Darlings of Rock and Roll, The Cherry Bombs, Shoot to Thrill, The World's Best Female ACDC Cover Band, Blizzard of Ozzy, The World's Best Ozzy Osbourne Cover Band, our special guest cruise director, SoCal Val, Noel Foley will be there. So many things to do, it's going to blow your mind. Listen to my appearance on uh, Jim Ross Report this week and what's going on also to hear more about it. So go join in. Be a part of history. Go book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and don't miss out. All right. Thank you so much. Coming up this Friday, one of my oldest friends in the wrestling business, Ultimo Dragon, one of the greatest wrestlers in Japanese history and in all time, one of my favorite rivals. He will be there. He speaks English. You're going to hear it. I've known him for uh, over 25 years. He's a great guest. So in the meantime and in between time, we'll see you on Friday. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah!